Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Hello, everybody. Welcome into a very special edition of Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. My name is Brandon Adams. And for the full show today, I'm happy to have Dog Nation recruiting insider Jeff Sintel with us. And if you can't tell by watching on video, if you're listening, radio, podcast, something like that, the reason why today's show is so special is for a couple of reasons. First of all, we are live here at the Battery Atlanta at Truist Park, where tonight the Atlanta Braves are ready to welcome back a full crowd for the first time. And obviously here on our show, we celebrate our state's attempt and our really our world's attempt to get back to normal and everybody having a good time again. That's in a lot of ways what 2021 is going to be all about. And certainly an example of that uh, tonight as the Braves get ready to host the Philadelphia Phillies, a game I'm lucky enough to get a chance to be at myself, my family and I, we're coming here tonight. That's going be a lot of fun. Also, over the course of our program, we have two really fun announcements to deliver before we're done today. We'll have our final Kroger five-star mom as we get ready for Mother's Day on Sunday. We'll give out our final uh, giveaway on that. And in just a few minutes' time, because we're here at Truist Park, I'm going to make a really fun announcement for Dog Nation. We've talked so much about, hey, when is the Dog Nation you know, bunch going to get back together? When are we going to be back in person doing an event again? Are, are we going to do anything like a Dog Nation Days of Summer this year? Well, I'll have the answers for all of that here coming up in just a couple of minutes. Live Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger here, Battery Atlanta, just outside Truist Park, where the Braves take on the Phillies a little bit later on this evening. Coming off a sweep, by the way, uh, against the Washington Nationals. What a great way to return home with all of that. Jeff, though, before we get into any of that, let me say hello to you and thanks for kind of driving over. You and I, we really haven't seen each other in person very much uh, over the course of the last few months, but it's, it's great to be with you here in person today. Brandon, I feel like these two bobbleheads right here. I mean, I'm Albies over here. Brandon, I guess we're going to make you a Kuna. You got the big contract and everything else like that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, you, it almost feels like return to fun. Like you, you, you're gushing about all this stuff you've got to share and you got to get out to the people today. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we're going to have a lot of fun with you on the show here today there as well. And, Jeff, there is some business I want to take care of in regards to that. I'm not sure how much of my show you've had a chance to hear over the course of the last few days, but kind of before we get into our, our announcement all the stuff that's going on here, I do want to talk some Georgia football with you. And let me set this up for you and for the audience that may be kind of in and out over the last few days. So if you go back and look at last year's NFL draft, or I should say last week's NFL draft, and you look at recent NFL drafts for those teams that have also won national championships, one of the things that you see is just a huge number of first-round picks coming off those teams, especially if you kind of give multiple years' worth of data points here. You know, the Clemson title team in 2018, the LSU title team in 2019, Alabama this past year, you're seeing a half dozen first-round picks or more coming off those teams. And so just speaking simply here for a moment, and it kind of stands to reason that if Georgia is going to be in that conversation for 2021, then the 2022 draft then also ought to be filled with a bunch of Georgia names there in the first round. So, Jeff, what we've tried to do over the last few days is, is look at the prime candidates to be able to do that. Now, not every name that you mention is going to kind of work out that way. There's obviously going to be you know some guys who flourish, some guys who maybe don't you know, completely fulfill their full potential. But we at least wanted to look at all the position groups, all the candidates from within those position groups as how does Georgia get to six first-round picks? How do you have the kind of top-end talent that recent, recent national champions have had? And so we started looking at quarterback, and we talked about 
JT Daniels assessment. And there's a lot of stats for Daniels that are kind of already in line with what first-round quarterbacks have done. But we said that Daniels probably needs to throw some more touchdown passes if he wants to match like a certainly a Joe Burrow or a Trevor Lawrence or a Mac Jones. We talked wide receivers, and we said, listen, the wide receiver situation is it's really more than just one first-round pick. If Pickens is here, it's easy to assume that the healthy George Pickens is in that conversation. But you actually need more than one of those guys if you're going to do that. So we spent some time talking about the candidates from that wide receiver room that might be able to do that. We talked running backs on yesterday's show, and we said that right now you're not going to see a preponderance of Georgia running backs showing up in early mock drafts for 2022 as potential first-rounders, but that doesn't mean there isn't still hope for that group because we've seen guys emerge, and we've seen guys who, at least in some respects, who have had similar stat lines to some of the Georgia running backs who've gone on to help lead their team to a national championship. So before we kind of get into today's topic, I want to look a little bit more closely at Georgia's offensive line. Let me at least just set you up for this. Are you kind of on the same page with me that these national championship teams seem to have a a lot of that top end talent and if Georgia's going to get there in 2021 then the NFL draft in 2022 is going to also reflect that well I think here's the way I look at that Brandon I think Georgia already has the top end talent I think a lot of those guys at LSU and Alabama were top end talent now they need to have the top end resume and you know you think about Daniels you know to me I think skill set wise uh, pocket limitations wise accuracy computer processor in the brain I think JT Daniels is a lot like a Mac Jones, is a lot like a Kyle Trask. Um, those are first-round, second-round picks. The difference is, is Mac Jones had all those stats. Mac Jones was throwing to all those receivers. Mac Jones had that resume where he came out of the fire in those big games. I mean, there's about six guys on the Georgia team where you can go, you give them an all-SEC season, then they are an all-American season, then they are a number one pick. Then they are a first-round pick. I think the big difference there is it's got to happen offensively for Georgia because you look at a lot of those names, a lot of those were offensive first-rounders. And, Brandon, I just got something fresh in my mind. been talking to a lot of people. Two words come to mind about spring practice that, that stick with me, and I've talked to multiple people that, were, that either had eyes on spring practice or whatever or just the feelings coming out of it. And the words are dynamic, and the one word was hellified. And we're allowed to say hellified this close, right? I mean, this is the South. Um, that's what that offense looks like. Now everybody remembers, they think about what the, what the pageant looked like of G-Day. Well, that's really, not, that's really not what Georgia's offense looked like this spring. I think when the, the bones were being made, scrimmage one, scrimmage two, I think that's when Georgia gave a, gave a lot of its faithful. There's going to be a lot to offer there. So that's certainly great to hear. And here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger, I do want to you know, take you to the offensive line because that's kind of the next position group I want to talk about uh, during this discussion as we're live today from the Battery Atlanta just outside Truist Park. And, you know, on Monday's show, I had a chance to talk to John Stinchcomb. And John, because we had crazy weather, he ended up being podcast only that day. And so when I interviewed John for the podcast only interview because of the weather situation we dealt with, I, I told John, I said, listen, if you ask me to project what does it take for JT Daniels to become a first-round quarterback, 
I think it's fairly easy to kind of find a stat line that matches that. I can do the same thing with wide receivers because we've now got, you know, many years of evidence of what receiver play at the first round level for these national championship teams kind of look like. You can do the same thing for running back as well. We did that on yesterday's show. When I told John, and obviously John knows the offensive line position because he was an All-American player uh, for Georgia at that spot and went on to a career with the New Orleans Saints there as well. I said, when you look at Georgia's offensive line, and in particular, the name from that Georgia offensive line most likely to be called as a potential first-round pick for the 2022 NFL Draft for a guy like Jamari Salyer, who I want to spend a few minutes talking about here. What I told John was, I said, John, I'm not really quite so sure I know exactly what a first-round type season looks like from Jamari Salyer. The stat lines for the skill position players is a little bit easier to measure. But when you say, give me a first-round season from a guy like Jamari Salyer, I'm not quite so sure I know exactly what that looks like because the stats are a little bit more difficult to decipher. I thought John Stinchcomb, the former UGL All-American offensive lineman, gave a great answer to that question. Let me let you hear that now as a way of setting Jeff and myself up for a little bit more conversation. This is John from earlier this week on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. He's a football player. He's, he moves well. Um, he's held down the left tackle spot and possibly could again for uh, one more year for Georgia. But most likely his projection as to where he would be what best suited is at guard. And so you just you watch him play. And, and I want guys like that on my team. I can fit him in at left guard, right guard, right tackle, left tackle, and feel like I don't have to worry about that position anymore. Is there one better suited than the other for their skill set? Of course. Sawyer's a guy that uh, he's selfless and that he's willing to, if the team needs him to play inside or outside, he's willing to do that. But from what I've seen and, and looking at his body type and his level of play, is he better suited at guard? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So what does he need to do? Have a great year. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you, you execute on the opportunities that you're given. And for fans, when you don't hear the name Jamari Salyer, that's usually a good thing. When you don't hear the name of the defensive end that he's going up against all game long and, and you don't really notice that they're a part of it, as an offensive lineman, that's the biggest win that we can get. So that's good stuff from John Stinchcomb there on his thoughts about Jamari Salyer. And I love the way that he sums that up, that it's almost one of those, as John says it there, Jeff, no news is good news. That if you're not really talking about Sire very much, that means he's probably having a good season. And certainly if you're not talking about the edge rusher that he's you know, tasked with blocking, especially if he's playing at the tackle spot, if you're not talking about that guy that's lined up across from him, then all the more evidence that you might need that Jamari Salyer's truly had a good season there, that as quiet as it is with Salyer, the more likely that it is that he's maybe leading himself to the front end of the NFL draft conversation for 2022 and certainly leading this Georgia offensive line to where it needs to go here in 2021. So a few things about Salyer. Um, I, man, I've known him and his family, his mother for, I don't know, five, six years now. And, you know, he's got a dream. And, you know, one of the things about draft days and dreams is I think that's some of the best parts. And, you know, Jamari Sawyer has always wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy. And every year when the draft rolls around, Jamari gets a little bit more geeked up. He gets a little bit more mojo in his motivational tank. And, you know, I was at Aziz Ojalari's draft night, and Jamari was there both nights. And, man, such a great teammate. I mean, he was the epitome of, like, maybe how your best friend would react if you were the guy getting drafted. Um, and, and he knows next year is his turn. Uh, 
And Jamari, uh, he said something out loud when, like, the, the, the Cowboys pick was coming up. He was like, he said, next year they're going to pick me. I'm going to make them pick me. He's like, you know, he's, I'm not going to select – they're not going to select me. I'm going to select them as my team. He wanted to speak that out into existence. And here's what we know about Jamari. He's always been the guy that had it up here, that had it up here. But I'm really high on Jamari because Brandon, basically he reinvented himself when he got the ability to kind of be goose to Andrew Thomas's maverick while Andrew Thomas was getting ready for the draft. Everybody remembers how he changed his body this time a year ago, and he was so such good at left tackle. You're going to see positional versatility with him. You're going to see him with a lot of good tape against a lot of good players, and he's a guy you look at. I think eventually he's going to be a guard, maybe a center in the NFL, but for the longest time I've watched Jamari, I knew that young man is going to find a way. He's got a plan right now. He's going to find a way to spend eight to ten years in the league. And while I talked to John Sanchcomb earlier this week about – kind of sometimes the lack of stats these offensive linemen or at least easily discernible stats that doesn't mean there aren't some that are out there I'll show this to you on the screen very interesting write-up from Athlon Sports looking at the SEC names that could make noise in next year's draft there were seven players from Georgia on there Jamari Salyer was one and in particular the Athlon Sports write-up here includes some interesting stats for Salyer that come from Pro Football Focus I'll show you this on the screen but I'll read it to you as well according to Pro Football Focus Athlon Sports writes Salyer was one of just 10 offensive tackles in the nation last season to earn a grave grade above 77.0 as both a run and pass blocker athlon goes on to say and over his last four games he graded out as the second best offensive lineman in the nation in pass blocking there at 90.6 so while in some respects you don't have easy stats to decipher for offensive linemen pro football focus and some of these other outlets do take measures to try to do this and from that standpoint Salyer already has proven himself to be a good lineman for UGA and as this Georgia offensive line with Salyer in one of those five spots starting somewhere tries to take that next step towards being a contributor for a national championship team obviously now Jamari's looking to take the next step for himself there as well. So here's what's interesting I'm going to see two roads not to sound like Robert Frost here but I'm going to see Two roads for Jamari Salyer in 2021. Robert Frost, that's the Nebraska coach, right? No, no, that's Scott Frost. I'm talking about the great poet laureate. The road not taken, sir. Um, so Jamari's going to do one of two things. Like, we all know JT Daniels is not the most mobile quarterback. Nobody's going to give him a dual threat ranking coming out of his time at Georgia. So is, is the pocket going to be clean? You know, Georgia can always pull out – a Jamari Salyer out of their back pocket and make him the left tackle. I think the ideal Georgia offensive line has him at a left guard. And, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you saw the spring game. I don't know if you've watched it the 19 times you normally do by now, Brandon, but it was very interesting to see that Amarius Mims sort of leapfrogged Broderick Jones in that game, and he was getting the left tackle reps. Broderick was getting the right tackle reps. And you know what's that saying about Kirby Smart? He doesn't like to play freshman. He doesn't like to play freshman in the SEC. But I got another saying for you. Kirby Smart also likes to play future first-round draft picks. And Amarius Mims, let's go that Maverick and Goose thing one more time. What if you can get Jamari at the left guard working in tandem with the youngster Amarius Mims by midseason? Amarius Mims. 
that to me, you know, you start putting it together, the Tetris of it, potentially that's the best offensive line Georgia can field. And that'll certainly be an interesting thing to watch as it plays out during the summer. But I think when you kind of zero in on exactly what you need more from in this offensive line in 2021, obviously Salyer helping lead the way there and some talented guys still competing for one of those open starting spots there as well. I think it's important to also look back for a moment on what Georgia did well in 2020 and that one spot where if you can make improvement here, it could make all the difference in the world. And it's kind of funny, year over year from 2019-2020, the Georgia offensive line kind of took on a little bit of a different identity. In 2019, Georgia was very good as a pass-blocking offensive line, but probably struggled a little bit at least in terms of the dominant run game stuff that you'd seen from them in certainly 2017-2018. The identity of this offensive line in 2020, at least based on some of the metrics that are out there, probably started to shift a little bit. Jeff, let me give you a couple numbers here. I think this is really interesting. I like the way that Football Outsiders measures its offensive line, and they look at lines as a group, and they look at something they call offensive line yards. And the basic theory behind all this is, is that the first four or five yards that a, that a running back gets on a running play, you kind of attribute those to the offensive line because that's the hole being opened up. I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, last year, kind of using that as a theory, George was actually 11th best in the country in offensive line yards a year ago, opening holes, getting those easy yards. There's a stat called opportunity rate, which is basically how much of the available yards did the offensive line get for a team. George was actually ninth in that metric a year ago. So from a run block standpoint, at least on the basis of this metric, depending on how seriously you take that, Georgia actually did pretty well a year ago. But Jeff, let me give you the one spot last year where I think there is room for improvement for Georgia. It's when you start talking about sack rate, not total number of sacks allowed because Georgia was only like middle of the pack last year in total number of sacks allowed because Georgia doesn't throw the ball as much as some other teams do. When it comes to the rate of sacks, the quarterback dropping back to pass and how many times was he brought down, Georgia doesn't look great from that standpoint. Just 48th in the country a year ago when it comes to the overall sack rate, or I should say, let me give you 54th, excuse me, 54th in the country last year in overall sack rate, meaning when Georgia quarterbacks were, were dropping back to pass. Georgia was only about the national average, or at least close to that, kind of in that middle third of protecting the quarterback there in that situation. So to kind of sum up a lot of data and a lot of information here pretty quick, if you're looking for where the Georgia offensive line improves this season, where it takes its next step towards being a national championship team, with Jamari Sire leading the way, you mentioned some young guys looking to get a chance to start, look right there in that spot. Can Georgia protect the quarterback better this year in 2021 than it did in 2020? If you want to zero in where there is room for improvement for this Georgia offensive line right now, I think it's that kind of stuff that you really look at that. How well can you protect JT Daniels this year? I think that last year was a whole lot of mystery. First year Munkin, the rotating things at quarterback. Warren McClendon, first year. Jamari Salyer, first year of really good playing time. Warren Erickson, a lot of first year guys there. I think, I think the genesis of Georgia's progress in 2021 is a lot of guys taking that next step. I mean, Brandon, we talk about a lot of names on our programs. I don't think we talk about Warren McClendon enough. I don't think we talk about Quay Walker enough, even in all those NFL draft prospect hopeful type things. I mean, you look at Quay, he's going to hit every measurable. He has the ability to be a three-down linebacker. He can rush the passer. He can play inside. Um, I keep going over, like, who we miss when we roll off all these names. And, Brandon, like you said earlier, we said earlier in the show, if you drop an All-American season on about ten guys, then they're immediately become first-round draft pick because they're going to look great on the hoof. They're going to pass the eyeball test. The physical specs are all going to be there for the athletes in Georgia. You look at what Georgia needs to do is that – Justin Schaefer again another year. Is that 
Tate Ratledge creeping in there and being a starter right there. That might be a first-year guy there with Ratledge, but all, you're taking a lot of guys. Ratledge was seen as a tackle coming out of high school. You know, how do you make a, a, great, a great high school offensive tackle into an excellent offensive lineman at the college level? You dip him inside a little bit. You slide him inside a little bit and let him play guard. You know, I think Big Tate, his progress this year will also be a measure of the success as well Georgia's going to have in 2021. And it's so important. You know, what's that phrase our friend Mike Griffith always says? Got to let him fly the jet. Got to let it. Got to let him fly the jet. Well, you've got to keep that pocket tight for JT Daniels to work. Because if it gets time to work, I think that 4,000-yard season can happen. So let me see if I can kind of sum this conversation up. And then in about a minute or two, we're going to make a big announcement about something really fun we're going to do here at Dog Nation. I'm really excited about that. But let me kind of sum up this conversation before we do. If you look at the Georgia offensive line in 2020, they were good with a chance to be even better here this year. And I think better pass blocking on the basis of the numbers from football outsiders is the path forward towards that. Georgia's offensive line this season also has a chance to be led by a guy in Jamari Salyer who actually fared pretty well on the basics, basis of some of the metrics that are out there and has a chance, as Athlon Sports has indicated, to really put himself at the forefront of the conversation for potential offensive linemen near the front end of the 2022 draft there as well. So, Jeff, there are still unanswered questions for Georgia's offensive line, but as you alluded to a couple of times during our discussion here, plenty of big names that have a chance to find five really effective guys for the games that matter most for Georgia this upcoming season. I still feel this way, Brandon. The offensive line is so stacked. Man, we look at the 2022 class, and you people forget that it's almost like transfer portal roster addition is going to happen for Georgia. Dylan Fairchild is going to show up this summer. He, didn't, he wasn't even a part of spring practice, and Dylan will probably immediately become one of the top eight offensive linemen at Georgia. You've got Jared Wilson, another guy that was low-key, incredible, in his high school career. Pittman loved him. Luke loved him. Georgia recruited him away from North Carolina when he was sitting in his home state feeling very happy. You're going to have pieces. And I, this is the simple way I look at it, Brandon. It doesn't matter who starts. The five guys that are going to be there are going to be good enough because they rose to the top. I mean, it'd be one thing for Georgia to wonder about a season and not have guys. Brandon, Georgia's never had these guys. I mean, people forget names like Clay Webb, Chad Lindbergh, uh, Cedric Von Pond Granger, Cameron Kinney, uh, you know, Devin Willock. These are guys that are going to be incredible players in the SEC and probably would be at a lot of schools in the SEC this fall. They've just got to wait their time at Georgia. I think it's exactly right. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger here today. We're live from the Battery Atlanta just outside Truist Park with the Braves return home tonight after a very successful series sweeping the Washington Nationals and ready to welcome in the Philadelphia Phillies tonight for what's going to be a huge month of May for the Braves. The big series coming up against Philadelphia, the Toronto Blue Jays. Later on the month, you've got the Pittsburgh Pirates, New York Mets coming to town. And the big news here tonight where we are is that full crowd expected, every ticket available, more than 40,000 on hand as the Atlanta Braves get back to full capacity and here in the state of Georgia and around the world as folks get healthy and vaccinated and everything else that goes along with that we look forward to getting back to normal a big step in that direction is a bunch of Braves fans inside Truist Park here tonight I'll remind you this is Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger of course the Braves not the only big thing going on this weekend we've also got Mother's Day there as well still time for you to stock up on everything you need for your mom here this weekend by going to Kroger or if you want to learn more about the brunch recipes things like that they have going on there check out Kroger.com slash Mother's Day, Kroger.com slash Mother's Day, and you can find out about big savings. you got outdoor patio furniture, things like that on sale, of course, gift cards, greeting cards, everything you need to be fully ready to go for this upcoming Mother's Day, which is Sunday, by the way, so make sure you're 
taking care of your business on all of that. Uh, Kroger.com slash Mother's Day. And by the way, before we're done today, we'll also announce our final Kroger five-star mom. What a fun promotion that's been to be able to do. But Jeff, before we get to that, you know, this is an announcement I've been looking forward to making for a while because we've been getting these questions a lot. Yeah, I need that big time uh, before that blows away. Um, this is uh, a question we've been getting a lot from a lot of folks around here of, hey, we haven't had a Dog Nation event together where you and I are together, our audience is together, where, you know, folks are back just enjoying the fellowship that we're kind of famous for here around Dog Nation. We haven't done one of these in now over a year. When is that going to happen? Are you going to do any kind of event anytime soon? Are you going to do something that kind of brings back the Dog Nation days of summer stuff that we've done in the past? And my answer to that every time it's come up is, boy, I hope we're able to do that. I just don't know the specifics of that. Or you start to hear some rumblings that something might be going on, and I wasn't able to say just yet. Well, today I can say that, and that's the reason why we're here at Truist Park here today, because the next big Dog Nation event that's going to go down, and it's not too long from now, so folks, make plans to be a part of all of this. It comes up on Friday, May the 21st. We're going to have a Dog Nation Days of Summer event here at the Battery Atlanta before the Atlanta Braves get ready to take on the Toronto Blue Jays later on that night. Full meet and greet, great time, and we're all after that going to go to Truist Park and enjoy Braves game together after that. So, Jeff, let me rattle off some of the stuff that's going to be going on in relationship to all of this. This is going to be a gigantic event. Everybody wants to be a part of this. First of all, we're going to have a reception before the game. It's going to start 4 p.m. that day at the Terrapin Tap Room. Terrapin Tap Room's great, great uh, restaurant facility, really just to the left where we are right now. Great food, great beverages, all that kind of stuff. Dinner there provided by Fox Brothers barbecue that's the food that gets served there at the terrapin tap, uh, tap room also you're going to get uh, th uh three drinks prior to the game we're going to be doing a bunch of dog nation giveaways that night also we're going to have uh, give folks a chance to win some brave signed baseballs and some future braves tickets we're going to do dog nation giveaways everybody's getting some of that some braves giveaways you'll have a chance to uh, get some of that uh gift cards from the terrapin tap room we're going to give folks a chance to do that and as i said before we're going to get tickets to the game. We're going to go and uh, enjoy that after the uh, the event there at the Terrapin Tap Room. Uh, we're going to be there. Jeff's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Our buddy Connor Raleigh on hand there as well. All of this, the dinner, the drinks, the Dog Nation swag, all of the fun, the meet and greet. Jeff's going to be in there talking about the latest stuff with UGA recruiting. It's going to be just like the things we've done in the past. So much fun. It's all $77 per ticket. That includes your fees, by the way. It's an amazing, amazing detail. Uh, amazing, amazing deal for you to be able to take advantage of. What a fun night this is going to be. A Dog Nation Days of Summer event taking place before the Braves and the Blue Jays on Friday, May 21st at the Terrapin Tap Room before the game, during the game there, inside with a uh, really cool uh, diamond corner lower level ticket. So much fun, just $77 each. You can go to dognation.com for more details on this, and we're going to start uh, getting together and doing a big event on Friday, May 21st. That is an amazing thing. Brandon, that feels like a dream, doesn't it? It feels like, man, it feels like so long ago when we did one of those. You know, Brandon's excited about a promotion when he starts stomping his feet like a country preacher, man. He's really, or he's like an old school basketball coach slapping the ground about a call. This is something that we, we've all, I think, one of the reasons I love being a part of Dog Nation is, yeah, we write all the stories, we cover all the news, but we do feel through like six years now that we've fostered a sense of community. All those faces we see at all those events that, that come back. And, you know, I, I feel like they're a part of what we do as much as what we do. And um, we finally get to do it again. And you got this place, great backdrop, great barbecue. 
Uh, you got a game ticket. You got a chance to hang. I mean, literally, we're going to try to give away as much as we possibly can, except maybe the entire 2022 recruiting class. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. So tickets are obviously limited on this. So dognation.com for more details. But if you want to make sure you get your spot, let me give you a, like a tip. You can do this. Email info at dognation.com, and we'll see if we can get you helped out right there. Info at dognation.com to find out more details. Dognation.com to find out more details. I'm also going to be talking about this a lot in the days to come because, as Jeff said, I am really excited. I've wanted us to all get back together again. This is our chance to do that. Friday, May 21st, before the Braves take on the Blue Jays. Big event here in the Battery at the Terrapin Tap Room. Then we're all going to the game together after that. It's just $77 per person. So please make sure you check that out, dognation.com, for a lot more details. That is really exciting. And, of course, it's exciting as well to have you here as a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger today. Jeff, normally when we have you on the show, we like uh, getting into some UGA recruiting talk. So what do you say we do some of that right now? And I had a fun time with you last night on Cover 4 Live and also following you on social media. Big night last night for the UGA commit, Jalen Walker. Interesting to think that high school football going on there in the Tar Heel State because they did not play this fall. But it was a, a great, great uh, night last night for uh, Walker, kind of putting a cap on a, a really nice season as well. So they win the state championship. Uh, it's, it's so weird, Brandon. First of all, it's May, and we're talking about a player. North Carolina postponed their season last fall. They had an abbreviated 11-game schedule that was eight regular season games and then three rounds of the playoffs. Uh, Jalen Walker and his Salisbury Hornets won the North Carolina Class 2 AA state title in really resounding fashion. Jalen uh, had 12 tackles, Brandon. That's no, I know what you love to see about that. Um, he also caught a touchdown pass working as a tight end coming out of the Y spot on the field. And he also caught a couple of big third down conversions. And Brandon, we haven't really talked about a lot of linebackers making plays as a receiver in the, uh, maybe that's the new Georgia you want to hear where the, even the linebackers are catching passes and catching touchdowns. But folks, I'm going to, I'm going to drive as slow as I can on this one. Normally I just let the words all American or five star do the work for me. And I don't want to put a lot of hot sauce on a recruit, but Jalen Walker is going to be a terrific player for the Georgia Bulldogs. There's no uneasiness at all about the stability of his recruitment and his commitment to Georgia. I think he's going to be terrific at Georgia. And when I mean terrific, I think I can't think of two or three linebackers that Georgia will sign and bring on to campus and bring on that roster that I am higher on than I'm higher on Jalen Walker right now. Yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, Seeing some of the interviews that Walker did with you after he committed to Georgia, obviously this is the kind of guy that you can imagine being a future team captain in a place like UGA just because of the way in which he carries himself in a conversation like that. And one of the things we've heard Kirby talk about before, in fact, he's even touted this on National Signing Day press conferences, things like that, is the number of players that come to Georgia that also won state championships. You like the idea of a, of, of a winner. You know, winners in high school have a tendency to become winners in college from time to time. So, really, in both those respects, potential future team captain, clearly a guy who's got a little bit of a winning quotient. Walker seems to check those boxes for sure. Yeah, guys, what, what we do is our annual post-signing day coverage. We kind of rank the, the most impressive prospects to look for. I'm going to tell you right now, Jalen Walker is going to be in the top three, top four on that list. I don't care who Georgia signs afterward or gets commitments from afterward. The son of a college head coach – a guy that just thinks football. I was talking to him this week about the game plan and what they would do, and he's like, well, they're big, but they haven't seen a front like ours. We're going to stretch them sideways and make them run because we think they're a lot faster than them. Uh, they went 42-14 to 14 going away. 
Brennan, it's interesting. His quarterback is going to play baseball at North Carolina. So you know you've got an, you've got an athlete there when a, a kid may not be a future college quarterback, but he's going to be a baseball player at a big school like North Carolina. You got Jalen so happy last night, and it's really funny. Where in this world do you celebrate a state football championship in May? And then you got to go to school the next day. That's just the one of the wildest parts about Jalen Walker's story. He's recruiting very hard in the paint to try and bring other guys to him. Loves everything about Georgia. Loves the reception that all you guys gave him and his family and Mama Walker at G-Day. I'm going to tell you, I'll never, I'll never forget his signing day, or, excuse me, his commitment day party. His mom bought all, basically out all of the online retailer, the one that has the free shipping, and then also your favorite party supply superstore. She bought everything she could Georgia for that. And I, I'd, I'd imagine her house kind of looked like Brandon Adams' house uh, by the time that party was over with. And, you know, you talk about Walker getting in involved in the offense last night, catching a touchdown pass. Jeff, it is kind of the modern way for football where – I mean, we've seen linebacker become a position that looks a little bit more like other positions. Frankly, the game itself almost is trending in a positionless direction anyway, but because there's so much spread that you're facing as a defensive player, your ability to move in space is also really important there as well. If you're not a defender capable of doing that, making one-on-one tackles, being just as athletic as the wide receiver or the running back of the tight end that you're you know, charged with covering, then you're obviously going to get exploited and exposed out there in the football field. So, I mean, you know, frankly, part of what makes me like Keely Ringo a lot as a defensive back at Georgia, some of the stuff I saw him do offensively in his final year at Swarrow High School out there in Arizona, it's, it's really the same thing for Walker. You know, if you're athletic enough to be a big part of the offense, then you're probably on your way to being athletic enough to be able to play linebacker in a league like the SEC. Yeah, let me make this clear. Let me paint the picture. I wish we had the video on the show, but this wasn't Jalen Walker going up and making a play. This was Jalen Walker looking like, looking like Brock Bowers running a nine route straight down the field, calling for the ball, kind of like Randy Moss, old school Randy Moss, and making a play. He had a like 30-yard touchdown catch, and he looked like a pure blinding speed athlete as he did it. This, there was no lumbering. There was no, I'm going to go up and get a jump ball because I've got a 40-inch vertical. Maybe one of the best things about Jalen Walker's recruitment, he never ran a 40. Clemson didn't make him run a 40. Nobody made him run a 40. He's like, is my film fast enough? Do I camp fast enough for you? Does, does my tape look fast enough for you? And the thing is, this kid's probably a low 4-5 in the 40, uh, throwing down dunks, winning dunk contests. Folks, this guy's going to be a linebacker. And, I, and like you said something earlier, he's really a positionless player. Georgia was the one school that said, Jalen, I'm sorry, we don't really have a position for you. You might be a little bit of this guy inside linebacker. You might be Schumann's guy for a little bit. You might be Dan Lanning's guy for a little bit, and then you might be Coach Jamil Adai's guy for a little bit as well, playing all over. And he liked the sound of that. Yeah, I think it sounds uh, really good there as well. I've got more recruiting stuff I want to ask you about here live from the Battery Atlanta outside Truist Park for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. But for the folks who may not be fully aware, and I hope everybody by now has had a chance to see the video and read the story dognation.com, what a great moment it was for you over the weekend to spend some time with former Georgia outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari, now drafted into the NFL, finding himself a great home in the league there with the New York Giants. And you had a chance to be on hand with Ojolari and his family in his home for what up to this point has to be one of the most special days of his life. Jeff, for those of us who haven't had a chance to to maybe you know fully get acquainted with that, but just want to hear it also the behind the scenes from you, what was it like being with Ojolari there on his big day? 
I tell you, he looked at his phone more than a more than a, a teenager would, I guess, man. I mean, he kept looking at his phone. He kept shaking his head. His parents were there right by his side. I think I'll never forget after he was picked and after it was over, Azizo Jolari and Brandon, he had to weather like six guys that were picked ahead of him that were going to do some of the same things in the NFL that he's going to be paid to do, including a Big Ten linebacker that had zero sacks a year ago. And he just weathered it. He just kind of absorbed it. He just said, all right, all right. It kind of kept filling up his his power level gauge. And then when he was picked and he was drafted and he had the release, he kept saying, I've got something to prove. I got something to prove now. No, you don't, Aziz. Look what he did for two years, uh, forcing five stars to transfer, making five stars split time because he was simply one of the best football players Georgia had once he was ready to go with that knee. Brandon, I don't know if, if you ever think about these things. I think he was the best football player Georgia had last year on the 2020 team as far as the difference he made. I learned the story about how uh, he initially wasn't going to play in the Peach Bowl, man, and his agent basically said, all right, man, I'm not going to call this either way or the other. you got to make the decision. If you play and you get hurt, that's bad. But if you go play and you just think, let me just cocoon myself, not get hurt, then you're going to look bad and your draft stock will suffer. If you're going to play, go play. I heard this story about how Kirby Smart, you know, Kirby Smart's got these pie charts and flow charts and everything else. He, put, he presented to him a logical and reasoned case why he should play, why it would help him. Aziz said, let's go. And, Brandon, they don't beat Cincinnati without Aziz Ojolari just getting every drop of his great play out of his, of his great ability out of there. He leaves a legacy there now. And, you know, to be only 20 years old and he's going to have about $7 million coming his way, that's about $1.8 million per year. I think he's still in a pretty good spot. And, you know, listen, what I like about the story you're able to write and the video you're able to produce and the inside access that you got, and I try to be as candid about this on the show as I can be, I'm obviously selfish. I'm a Georgia fan. I want the best for Georgia. And I have a tendency to look at the NFL draft as kind of a commodification. I guess, commodity, commoditizing some of these Georgia players uh, a bit in terms of, hey, what does their big day mean for future Georgia players? And what can I extrapolate about the draft in terms of where Georgia ranks amongst the, the best teams in college football? And I'm not going to apologize for doing that. I am a Georgia fan. That's just kind of what Georgia fans and all college football fans have a tendency to do. And yet, you know, you do get to know these players over the course of years. I'm lucky enough to have been able to inter interview Ojolari a couple of times. And on draft night, there is still a part of me that is going to want to carve out some corner of my mind some portion of my time to say hey this is a big day for Aziz this is a big day for his family as you said it's the culmination of a dream here and there's a part of this that doesn't relate to me at all this is his story and his moment and there is a portion of myself that, that wants to just sort of celebrate that on his terms of, hey, you worked hard to get here. You overcame an injury. Uh, I don't know that very many people thought when he came out of high school as good a prospect as he was that he'd be drafted still as high as he was. That's a big personal accomplishment for him, and I think we're lucky enough to get a chance to be spectators for that. You know, one of the things I tell these young men off to the side is I say, I say, listen, I'm not just going to cover you when you cover your recruitment. I'm going to you know, in a normal year, I'm going to be there at Sanford Stadium covering the team, covering the games, taking pictures. Uh, when you're at your draft day, I want to be there. When you're as a pro like Andrew Thomas and they're coming back and giving turkeys to their hometown of Lithonia, I want to be there for that too. Um, you know, one thing I know I have, if you haven't had a chance to read it, in that story, we got to put a lot of things together. And I think one of the things I want to make sure you good people know today if you're watching is part of the reason why he slid was the medical 
because he got checked and he didn't fail anything, but there was found to be some arthritis in his knee, moderate arthritis. Of course, a lot of players play with that. A lot of people have things in their body inventories. Well, you know, Aziz Ojolari's reaction to that was, I never missed a workout. I never missed a practice. I never missed a game. Aziz Ojolari never missed the chance when it was time to step up and make some money for the NFL. He made some money for the NFL. He never, oh, you know, Aziz had a bad game that day or oh, Aziz got, got his pants blocked off that game. This guy was a terror for two seasons in the, in the SEC. He had 15 sacks across two years, and if he would have played a normal schedule where there was a East Tennessee State or somewhere else in there, probably would have had 20 sacks across his two seasons of playing ball for Georgia. But the main reason he slid, besides that medical, was he's going to be a 3-4 defensive end. He was in an odd front at Georgia. He looks like a defensive end, but he's undersized as a defensive end. He's really an outside linebacker. So he had to go to a, a team that plays a 3-4, and I don't know how many of you NFL gurus are out there watching us, but there's not a lot of teams in the NFL that play the 3-4. There's Miami, there's Pittsburgh, there's the Baltimore Ravens, there's the Tennessee Titans, and then there's the New York Giants. So really, you reduce 32 teams to really about six teams, and that's really another reason why he fell is because, um, you know, the Steelers were a good example. The Steelers liked him. He was on their board, but they just needed a running back better. And that's sometimes the way the draft falls. And you, Aziz Ojolari, he's going to take this. He's going to run with it. He's in a good spot. I don't know if you could script up a better place for him, being with Lorenzo Carter, being with his former college roommate, Andrew Thomas, being with Tay Crowder. He's in big no- – He's in like his dad said, uh, Mansuru Ojolari, he's going to be a big dog, going to go to Big Apple, and he's going to take a big bite out of that Big Apple, and I can't wait to see it. Of course, a lot of dogs also leading the way for him there with the New York Giants there as well. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. That's Jeff Sintel. I've got more recruiting talk with him. We'll even take some of your comments here on Facebook and YouTube coming up. I want a little bit of a special edition of our program. Before we do that with more of Jeff and the recruiting stuff, including, by the way, Pretty big name recruit that has included UGA as the lone SEC team in his list of finalists right now. We'll talk about that here coming up in just a little bit. Let me quickly, though, tell you one of my favorite things to do is to tell people something that they don't already know, to give them some insight that I'm lucky enough to have they haven't quite gotten yet. I was able to do that with my wife the other night. We're kind of getting settled in. And sometimes, you know, at night, you're kind of looking to relax a little bit. And she goes to the refrigerator. She's going to grab a beverage. And I said, hey, babe, hey, let me give you something to try. And I pulled out uh, the long drink from Finland. I told you about this in the show yesterday. I said, do me a favor, try this. And she had not heard about it yet. And I was able to tell her, listen, this came from Finland. Uh, It was, you know, something that's been hugely popular over there. It's been in the United States now for a couple of years. And now it's in the state of Georgia there as well. And I gave her the original to try. It's got like a citrus flavor, like a, like a note of grapefruit. You kind of get that a little bit. Uh, it's almost like a grapefruit juice and gin type mix. It comes ready to drink right out of the can. And she loved it. And let me tell you something, I was a pretty big hero for, for turning her on to that. And if you haven't tried the long drink yet, you're going to love that there as well. Whether it is the original, which comes in the blue can, you can get the strong version, which comes in the uh, black can. That's eight and a half percent alcohol Ooh. by volume. That's a, a good time for sure. There's a cranberry version. There's a, there's a, Long Drink Zero, which is uh, obviously uh, calorie-free and uh, no carbs, all, all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, it's a great, great beverage, ready to drink right out of the can, perfect for this time of year. We're outside. The weather's beautiful. A lot of folks looking to be outside right now. And in the cooler this this spring and summer, nothing better to go with you wherever you're going than the Long Drink. You can go to the website, thelongdrink.com, to find out more about this, where to pick it up. It's kind of all over the place now. It's big in Athens. Uh, I've seen it golf courses around where I live, and, of course, all kinds of beverages 
beverage retailers there as well. Ready to drink right out of the can. Check out the long drink online at thelongdrink.com. All right, Jeff. So Dalen Everett, defensive back out of IMG Academy, a school that Georgia has had success with before. Georgia's already in a good position with a couple of names off the uh, IMG roster right now. And Everett, I guess the latest to kind of update is recruitment with some finalists. Georgia's included there. Uh, where do things stand here for Georgia? And we already know about Kamari Wilson, but now another defensive back for that IMG Academy Ascenders program. Uh, where does Georgia stand with Everett right now? So, Brandon, I know you're a man of the people. If you got that lucky rabbit's foot for IMG Academy in the 2022 class, you're going to have to rub that thing uh, down to the bone because, you know, Georgia touted on social media, Brandon, that they had four guys be, get drafted or go to, going to the NFL out of, out of their secondary. That was DJ. That was Tyson Campbell. That was obviously um, Eric Stokes. Um, you had all those guys, Richard LeCount. Man, IMG Academy, who had seven guys picked in the NFL draft this year and the NFL draft the year before that, a dog fan's dream, Brandon, is to bring in three defensive backs from IMG Academy in this one cycle. There's Dalen Everett. There's Kamari Wilson, big name there. A lot of dog fans are hoping and waiting on that one. Keon Sab, another guy. Somehow Georgia is finding a way to recruit all three of these moving pieces a little bit differently, and that's on the defending national championship high school mythical national championship team. And, you know, all those, that Warren Brinson mojo, that Lavoisier Carroll mojo, that Marlon Dean mojo, that Isaac Nauta mojo. Trey McKitty even falls into that category now because he went to IMG Academy as well. George is going to have to just basically just bring all that momentum in together and try to get three or four guys out of IMG Academy. Don't forget, there's Tyler Booker, the offensive lineman as well. Um, I mean, the dog fans dream class might it might be 20% IMG Academy ascenders this year. Well, it's kind of funny. You know, we've seen Georgia put those graphics out, the IMG to UGA stuff they've put out before. Obviously, I mean, Georgia's had great success, and if you're going to have success in a great program, IMG Academy is a very good program to have that pipeline towards, but it seems like UGA really enjoys touting the success it's had recruiting IMG Academy in the past. It's funny. When I used to go down there every year and every spring, I'd tell the public relations guys, like, man, I'm down here to see IMGA again because there's usually a lot of guys that are really interested in Georgia coming to play. And, you know, Brandon, what Georgia could potentially do, you mentioned all those defensive backs. Here's a moment of clarity for all you good people out here. I know a lot of people out here try to fake it, what, fake it until they make it in terms of, I'm going to sound smart, I'm going to say all the right things. That's what I do pretty much every day. <laughs> At least that's what I try to do. Some days I don't even successfully do that. At least in your, except in your house when you can pull out, pull out the long drink from the cooler, right? But here's something, I mean, I'm going to tell you this right now. What Georgia might do at defensive back is probably not what's going to happen at defensive back. To me, when I look at the players, I look at this class, I have the most question marks about fit, ability, scheme, the mutual love back and forth. Um, I think defensive back probably is going to wind up, for me, being that position of mystery. I think there will be a way for Georgia to bring in a wild card, kind of like an Eric Stokes this year, or a guy like a you know another name we talked about who are not portal guys, but it's going to feel like a portal guy. That's Kamari Lassiter, the talented cornerback coming in from uh, Tuscaloosa and uh, American Christian Academy. I mean, you look at that guy, and you know with Major Burns making his decision, and with Darren Branch going to eventually make uh, what feels like a decision to leave the program officially and publicly. 
Um, that defensive back spot certainly needs some upgrades right now, and he needs it in the future. And you think about a guy like Lewis Seen, who looks to me like a potential first, second round draft pick as well. The stock for that dude's going to keep going up. And defensive back, it seems like this every year, Brandon. Defensive back, wide receiver. I think those are going to be the levers for me, which tilts Georgia's 2022 class from that's a dang good Kirby class to maybe that's the best Kirby class of all time. Well, in the case of Burns, who you bring up, I mean, I, I've said this. I think Major Burns is good enough to play in the SEC. I think he would have been good enough to play at Georgia, maybe some as a backup this year, competing for a chance to start maybe in 2022. But you do have to wonder, you know, for someone like that, you know, does he see Malachi Starks coming in? Is he tipped off to the possibility that Kamari Wilson could also be coming in there as well? Whereas right now it appears like, you know, uh, Burns would have been the heir apparent to what Georgia has with its likely two starting safeties right now and Christopher Smith and Lewis Seen. But obviously you're also thinking about what's coming up behind you. Do you think the presence of a Starks and the possible presence of a Wilson, do you think that was on Major Burns' mind when he made the decision to, to move on from the program? I think it's a lot of things. I think, you know, Major's had such an interesting recruitment. Everybody remembers he was an LSU commitment, and then maybe he didn't feel so strongly about his chances at LSU. So he has a reversal and chooses Georgia very late in the game. And uh, you see him now, you know, there's the, there's the whispers out there that he might even go back to LSU, Brandon. And that's another matter with the intra-conference transfers that have to get figured out. But I don't think any player – that's worth the darn is worried about the guys coming because Georgia and any other school makes it clear. He's like, man, if I don't try to find players better than you every year, I might get fired because I got to try and find players better than you. The one thing a guy like major Burns would have had would have been a lot of equity, a lot of capital, a lot of trust. Cause for a lot of these players that come to Georgia, that first year at Georgia is a ravaging psychological, mental, exhausting year where you prove to the staff that, you can rise above it all and you can make plays. And I think that's what Major Burns went through last year. And now, you know, I think another player that probably was hurt by not having those cupcake games a year ago where they didn't get that real live game reps to show that trust and to show how well they could play. And you got a guy like Major Burns. And what's the reason why Major Burns didn't play last year? Probably because Chris Smith was so very good at what he did. And he'd been in the program for so long and he'd earned that capital. He'd earned that equity in terms of the coaches had a whole lot of trust factor in his ability and his ability to play the game. I still can't, 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 can't help thinking, Brandon, you remember Devod Will, Wilson? Yeah. He was a guy that was playing very early in his true freshman season. Everybody remembers that Notre Dame game. Imagine where he would be right now in the Georgia scheme. And, and then you have another thing, which is just COVID-type things. This is Major Burns going back to his home state of Louisiana should he wind up with the LSU Tigers. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, we're going to do our – Kroger five-star mom announcement, our final announcement. We'll do that here coming up in just a couple of minutes' time. Jeff, before that, let me – I mean, obviously we're in the month of May and we're going to roll into this busy June that we know is going to be so loaded with so many visitors. For those who, you know, are trying to keep up the best they can, give me the most, like, recent snapshot of where things stand for Georgia with its 2022 class and obviously a floodgate of visits about to opening up. As excited as we are to be getting together here on May 21st for our big Dog Nation Days of Summer night here at Truist Park with the Braves. And uh, I can promise you the folks at UGA are just as excited about welcoming folks in for those visits starting in the month of June. I think I laugh about it with some recruits. They're telling me about what they're expecting. And, Brandon, I'm sure you've seen – you're such a family guy. You've seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, right? 
I mean, that's what it's going to look like in June for, I know recruits are going to be like coming in and there are our, our recruiting fans, the ones that followed on the message boards, the ones I get emails or uh, DMs from all the time. Brennan, it's really going to look like the three-wing circus. And what I mean by that is Georgia's going to try to accomplish three different things at once. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to try to have an evaluation period for anybody in the 2022 class they can convince to work out. And some guys will have to work out to earn that committable Georgia offer. They're going to bring in those guys in June to work them out for private workouts um, to see what these coaches are all about and see what that fit is all about. Because nobody's seen these kids in about two years. That's the first ring. The second ring, and I guess is the one that a lot of folks are going to focus the most on, is this going to be official visit Alapalooza. I mean, it's going to be Carnival. It is going to be Mardi Gras. It's going to be Fat Tuesday. And really, and I, I watch the numbers here, Brandon. It seems to me by an amateur bean counters um, an amateur bean counters recollection here. I think Georgia's got three and a half million dollars of recruiting budget banked up and saved up. I mean, you think like Kirby Smart had the slip and slide in July two summers ago, which was integral in Darnell Washington, Keely Ringo, and guys like that. I think they might build a water slide or something like that in Athens. They might have hot air balloons across the stadium. They might have everything imaginable under the sun because you know that staff has had about four interns and two GAs working on that probably since the pandemic happened. And then the third thing is they're going to do is they're going to try to have their team camps where all these schools will come in and have their seven-on-sevens and then they'll have their, their drills at the same time. They're going to try to accomplish all of those things in the month of June where it's going to be a stark 180-degree turn into, okay, let's get back to business now and really recruiting these guys. All right, so that's certainly a lot of fun to think about. And speaking of getting down to business, we got to do that here as we head towards Mother's Day on Sunday. We've had so much fun this week announcing our Kroger Five Star Moms and a great collection of gift cards courtesy of our friends at Kroger, which obviously includes a Kroger gift card on top of everything else there. It's such a great promotion, and I'm really proud to be able to announce our winner today. What a great story this is. Our Kroger Five Star Mom here for this Friday is Felicia Jenkins, who was nominated by her husband, Lieutenant Colonel Chris Jenkins, who's currently stationed in Dubai. What an amazing family this is. Chris is a, a, a Lieutenant Colonel Jenkins, is a big uh, viewer of Dog Nation Daily, which makes me very there's nothing that makes me more proud of than that to have, uh, you know, folks who are serving our country and stationed abroad who can't be back home right now connecting with us on the uh, show, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. That just thrills me. And, boy, F uh, Felicia, an amazing story in her own right. She's a professional counselor. She's the uh, mom to two sons, one of which is also serving our country as well, currently stationed in Alaska. Uh, of course, she endures Lieutenant Colonel Jenkins' obsession with UGA football, which is kind of a fun thing all the way around there. Uh, and, of course, uh, she's going to be without her husband here on this uh, Mother's Day as he is. As I said before, stationed abroad. So she won't be with him uh, here this Mother's Day. But, uh, man, she is an amazing mom, a true Kroger five-star mom all the way around. And it is such a great privilege and a pleasure to be able to announce Felicia Jenkins as our Kroger five-star mom here today. We have a beautiful picture of, of course, you can see on the screen there. And, Jeff, how much fun is it, first of all, for all of our Kroger five-star moms and really for all the moms that we'd love to have announced and just simply can't because of, you know, the limited space and time. Uh, but when you've had the collection of moms and the great collection of letters that we've gotten sent in, uh, makes you proud as Dog Nation to be a part of a, a great thing like this. You know, Brandon, I think the word is you know, humbles you. Uh, I mean, Brandon, that sounds like a composite five-star, not just a one, not just a one service ranking. I mean, you've got a Lieutenant Colonel and I thank you, sir, for your service, obviously, but, She's got a husband 
serving our great country and protecting our great nation. And then she's got a son as well uh, doing that. I, and it sounds like they, uh, they lean, they, they pull for the right sort of team. It sounds like according to the way Brandon thinks, but I mean, you know, th this promotion, we're trying to think of things where, where we reflect who we are and we reflect the best of our audience. And I think this one has definitely nailed that. So for, um, this specific five-star mom and all those other five-star moms out there, uh, from all of us, man, all of us to all everybody out there, man, take care of mom. And thanks for all you do, especially, uh, coming up on mother's day this weekend. Yeah. There's nothing that makes me happier than a healthy combination of red, white, and blue plus red and black. I, the, 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 those color schemes going together certainly makes me feel uh, very good. And so to Lieutenant Colonel Jenkins, thank you for your submission and to Felicia Jenkins. Congratulations on being our final Kroger five-star mom here as we head towards mother's day on Sunday, by the way, Jeff, uh, let's do kind of an impromptu sec through here from, we'll only deal with one story, but this is a doozy and I don't have the video to show you on this, but I will put a link to the original video when I post the show at DogNation.com later on today but interesting this week that Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher does one of those classic rubber chicken circuit booster club type things asked a question about Alabama boasts that as people do this kind of stuff back in the 80s and 90s was behind closed doors you could get away with saying whatever you wanted to but now nothing is a local story anymore everything goes viral very quickly so Fisher kind of boasts that that A&M wasn't going to have to wait until after Nick Saban retired to, to beat him that they were going to beat is, and I'll you know use the word that, that Fisher didn't use, beat us behind while he's still there at Alabama. That got some attention. Lane Kiffin tweeted about that, for instance. And then yesterday, Nick Saban was asked about this there as well. His reaction, the look on his face when the video was shown was priceless and even was kind of confused of, wait, is he talking about golf? Meaning, you know, playing head-to-head. The reporter explained to say, but no, he's talking about football, that he's going to beat you in football there. So kind of a fun offseason story. I think that people will make too much out of this on the Fisher side of things. But listen, a little back and forth between two pretty big name coaches and frankly, an A&M team that is trying to be ascendant in the SEC West this year. I don't think that's such a bad offseason off storyline to be kicking around here a little bit. Well, it was classic uh, Saban's response. First of all, I mean, I don't know, Brandon, about you, but I want the head coach of my team to be wanting to blister the hind parts of the, yeah. the big dog on the street. If, you, if you're not, then what business are you in? Uh, are you kowtowing and you, are, you, are you basically mellowing in front of a big giant? Go after it. Go try to knock that kid off the block. I think, I think that was cool, Brandon, but I like when eventually Saban was like, okay, we're talking about this thing right here. And he's like, he goes, well, one of these days, which is like the most Saban way to do this about, yeah, buddy, do you see what, what I just signed this last yeah, year? You know, he had the thing the other day where he, he kind of went viral telling a story about Miss Terry. The joke has been told a thousand times by other people. This was an original joke, but Saban in telling the story, many of you saw it. He's got pretty good comedic timing. I mean, it's kind of weird. You know, sometimes he sort of comes across as that guy that sort of doesn't know what to do with his hands when he's on, on video. But other times, he's actually got a fairly decent sense of humor, you almost think. Can you imagine? I mean, everybody sees it now. But can you imagine him and Kirby Smart in the same living room recruiting those Alabama players? That's why they got all those guys and got all those dudes and build Alabama. And, you know, for, for Nick Saban, you know, we were talking about this prior to the show and it seems Bam always creeps up into things, but like, I, I think it's about time he's get he should get the reverence for what he is. I mean, I worked in Alabama for a number of years, and one of the one of the greatest things that I, that I can ever say about Bear Bryant's legacy is everybody. Real quick story is Bear Bryant's sponsors for his coaches show were it was a very popular soft drink giant, and then there was a very popular uh, 
bagged potato chip giant as well. You see how I did that, Brandon? I'm trying to make sure. I, I'm playing on your turf right here. And um, Bear Bryant passed away, I think it was 1982. And somehow, whether it's former alumni or Crimson Tide alumni or whatever, they found a way to go to his gravesite in, in Birmingham. And they've placed uh, a bottle of that soft drink giant and a bag of that potato chip giants on his grave every day in perpetuity since 1982. I mean, but I don't know how that happens in today's day and age, but that's one of the most remarkable, poignant legacies of Bear Bryant's history on the Alabama program. I remember when I was covering high school football and covering recruiting in Alabama, you would go into an Alabama kid's house and their hat rack would have a Bear Bryant houndstooth hat. And I was like, oh, does somebody have a hat like that? And they would, they, they would say, no, that's the Bears hat. We leave the Bears hat on that hat rack for all time. So you had a pretty good feeling where that family was going to send that player when, when he was getting recruited. But, I mean, it's almost time for Saban to, to kind of get that sort of reverence. Um, and everybody keeps thinking, you know, sooner or later he's going to stop coaching. But you ask me, you talk about rubber chicken, he still, he still looks like a spring chicken out there to me. Just signed his best pack of receivers. Especially ever. when he gets like a fresh coat of paint on the hair, you know. That's really, I mean, you can sort of tell when he's he's due for a for a freshening up on the paint job on the hair. You can sort of tell when he needs to get some of the spray tan going again. So it's funny. Uh, I got a group of boys that they all comment about everything. Everybody's got the text message threads from their partners, and uh, they always say they always say it's it's football season when they see Nick Saban with that chestnut brown number four or whatever on that hair and he's looking all right. Then they know it's time to put the ball on the ground and go. All right, you got time to take a couple comments here? Sure. All right, we'll do a R.S. Andrews cool down with Jeff. We'll take a couple comments with him. Let me do a couple things before we get ready to do that, including a really fun golden shoe here in just a moment. First of all, check out my friends at secondchance.law. They're doing a great thing for folks who really benefit from this. You know, there are new laws in Georgia that give you a chance to get, in some cases, kind of a criminal conviction, kind of taken off your record, and that can obviously improve your chances at better jobs, better living situations, things like that. It's, it's a confusing process, though, so secondchance.law has created a free online quiz by simply answering the questions you can determine if you're eligible for the program and if you're not secondchance.law can help you with that so check them out online secondchance.law these are good dog people uh they're great to, to you know do business with so secondchance.law for a lot more information on that as far as our golden shoe today as we get ready to say goodbye i don't have the golden shoe in front of me but i do have this really cool ronald acuna jr and ozzy albies bobblehead that's a, a really fun thing to be able to do that's a, a cool thing to be able to see no golden shoe here though but i got a great golden shoe winner one of our good buddies over on our facebook video side is Tanil calvino and for those of you that don't watch on facebook you may not be aware that one of the things that exists for facebook commenters things like that is and this doesn't come from dog nation it comes from facebook they give you a top fan badge it's like a little status that facebook gives and by the way facebook also takes it away and nobody really knows how you get one and nobody really knows how you lose one but it kind of just sort of you sort of get them they go away uh it's just kind of back and forth that just kind of happens there so Tanil calvino uh one of our facebook top fans actually made some dog nation themed hats that has top fan badge status on there i'll show you the photo of this Tanil's our golden shoe winner today for a really really cool uh, hat that she's made and i think she's actually dispersed some of these amongst our facebook community so it's kind of nice to see uh, the dog nation folks kind of getting together and uh, having some fun on their own this is not even a dog nation sanctioned thing this is just something that Tanil did on her own which i think is a really cool thing all the way around there so that's great to see 
Also, as we say goodbye, uh, our Gator Hater Countdown, I think it's 176. I don't have the number in front of me, but I'm sure you'll see it on your screen. I think it's 76 days from now. Georgia goes back to Jacksonville. We think get some revenge on those lousy, stinking Gators. That's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, we'll see you then for that. Thanks for being here with us on Dog Nation Daily, presented by uh, Kroger here live from the Battery Atlanta and Truist Park. Don't forget, Friday, May 21st, huge, huge event going down uh, here, there as well. Dognation.com for more details on that. Info at Dognation.com if you can't find what you're looking for. We'll tell you about that. We want to see you as we get back together in person for a big, fun night with the Atlanta Braves coming up in a couple of weeks. Y'all have a great week. Weekend. We'll see you Monday, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, although I am going to bait and switch a little bit. I don't mean to. We're on the road today, so we're going to have to wrap up, and I'll take extra comments on Monday. The last time I didn't take comments during the Friday show, people said that I was shortchanging it. So that's not my intention here, but because of some difficulties with our road show schedule, I'm going to say goodbye to you for today. Uh, come back and give you uh, twice the comments on Monday. Does that seem fair? I do hope you'll make plans to join us on May 21st for our big event here at the Battery Atlanta and Truist Park. Looking forward to that. But for now, have a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day to you all. We'll see you back here Monday for more of our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down when it's all said and done. And, of course, Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger as well. Have a great weekend, everybody.